Listener Production. Hello. Hi, it's producer Nat here. And I'll be sharing a small insight in today's episode for you while Urs is off filming a new episode of Thank God You're Here. So I guess, thank God I'm here to tell you all the hilarious things that you're about to hear in this week's ep with comedian Kirsty Wiebeck. Now, this episode gets a little weird after Ursula claims to be Kirsty's new spotter and the fact that she'll give Kirsty her next mammogram. I think it'll all make sense, maybe. But the real gem of this episode, Kirsty's story about the worst gig she's ever done. It makes me really appreciate the fact that my job doesn't involve a stage or festival goers and beanbags. Alrighty, this is Ursula's chat with the hilarious Kirsty Wiebeck. Enjoy. That's quite enough. Just just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. It shush, please. Uh, uh, Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Kirsty Wiebeck, as I live and fucking breathe. How are you? Good, legend. How are you? Yeah, good. Listen, a lot of people have said, and by a lot, I mean no one, we've never been seen in the same room. Are we the same person? No, we're not. So let's discuss. Uh, we might be. Where are you? Where do you live? Um, I live in Melbourne. What's I, li- I live in St Kilda in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what number? <laughs> I'm outside your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Oprah. Did you watch? How old are you? 40. Just turned oh, 40. So you sort of in that right vintage where Oprah was still on tally, would have been on tally when you came back from school, you know, when she would surprise people at the door, just knock on the door mm-hmm. and go, oh, someone from Oprah or, you know, Oprah's on the other side. Ellen tried it too and I know, you know, you would have had to watch Ellen. Um, <laughs> Ellen may be gay. Would you ever surprise an audience member and just rock up at their house? <laughs> oh, my gosh, no. How embarrassing. But they probably wouldn't remember who you are. Yeah, you look so different. Like when you get there, because people in their minds see how you look, say, on TV or on galas and then they open the door and you just look like you do and they're like, who the fuck is this person? Yeah. Actually, this happened to me recently, Ursula. Somebody goes to me, I didn't go to your show, but I went to Mel Buttles and Ursula Carlson's. Can I have a photo? Sure. Yeah, why do feel, people feel the need to overshare <laughs> shit like that? And I've never had anyone come up and go, oh, I'm a huge fan. People come up and they go, my wife loves you or my my brother is going to be so jealous. <laughs> yeah. Or like it's never like I am just a Fucking huge fan. I've never met one of those. How was how was your festival? I had a great festival. Yeah, I had a really nice one. Um, a bit of fun? Shows all went great. Loved my show. Bit of fun. Um, yeah, feedback was lovely and, uh, yeah, people came. That's good. Which, as you'd well know, is the main thing. 100% <laughs> the main thing. There. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about reviewers. I, I don't give a fuck about anyone. I just want people to come to the show and enjoy it. Are you filthy? Do you swear a lot? No, no, I'm the opposite. You were saying before how everyone's like, my partner loves you, number one fan. Mine's always mums. Everyone's like, my mum is your number one fan. Because I I think I swear too much in everyday life. Yeah. So it's just coincidental. I think people think I'm this Puritan because I don't swear much on stage. But it just, I never set out to not do that, but just naturally I just don't when I write shows. Mm. So... They're, they're pretty wholesome, my shows, actually. So there's a lot of that in my shows, just oh, yeah. everyday stuff. Like there's way too much 
killer whale content in this current show. <laughs> and it wasn't meant to be like that. It just happened. I've got I've got a whale joke in this one where I talk in my show where I talk about um, to recreate a sound, you'd have to follow a blue whale. Is the sound you make when your your partner leans their elbow on your tit in bed when they lift, you know, when your partner <laughs> lifts his elbow and they 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 fly the elbow on your tit. And it's a waste as well because if they attached a little scanner to their elbow, they could have done a mammogram at the same 100%. time. How fucking painful is a mammogram? How many <laughs> How many have you had? I got haven't my first one, one yet, when I was but 40. I'm, I haven't had one. Oh, you got to go. Yeah, you gotta, you're 40 I'm now. Get one soon. You're 40. Yeah. So yeah, gotta, I'm, I'll go. probably go after this. If we could wrap this up quickly so I could go and get my mammogram, that'd be great. if I was in Melbourne, I'm, I'm flying to Melbourne Saturday morning, I could come give you a breast exam. Yeah, I, you would as well. <laughs> No. Just as friends, Ursula, just as friends. Mate, don't make it sexual. This is medical, okay? Like, what, you go for a smear, you think you're dating your doctor? Not for recreational. Like, I don't, I go every three weeks. I love them. No. I've even had them done by medical professionals. Oh, that's random. I've never done that. <laughs> Get onto it. I highly no, recommend. No, I go every year because my, you know what's weird? I had a doctor, a dude doctor, tell me I don't need to go for um, smears as often as straight ladies and this actually made me vomit on the inside a little bit. Um, he said straight women need to go more because the semen is a protein and it rots inside their body. Anyway, uh, whereas lesbians oh. don't need to go for smears as often. Well, obviously, where the fuck does it go? It does. It has to get stuck in the nooks and crannies. I think this is going to be our clip for this podcast. Ew, yuck. Straight people are fucking disgusting. <laughs> Uh, um, I just keep hearing you saying it gets stuck in the nooks and crannies over and over in my head. I mean, honestly. (laughs) But then he goes, oh, lesbian, you can only come like, just you don't have to bother with a smear. Come once every 10 years, you know. And then so I went back, I got a new doctor and she goes, oh, you haven't had a smear in three years. I go, I know I'm a lesbian. And she goes, cool. Um, So do you want to hop up and I'll quickly give you a smear? I go, no, I only need to, I still have seven years. And she goes, I don't know who told you that. She goes, but you need a smear every year. That's how that works. And I'm like, yeah, but that other doctor. And she goes, well, he's a fucking idiot. And I knew this doctor's for me. The minute she called the other doctor a fucking idiot, I knew she was like the tradie of doctors. You know, other tradies. You could get anything done at your house. A tradie will come in and do something. Then another tradie will come in that's not even related. Like the plumber will do something and the electrician's just been. And they'll kind of look at their work and go, who did this? And you go, the electrician goes, why the fuck did he do? <laughs> They're never happy with each other's work. I love that. Hairdressers do it as well. Yeah. What happened to your hair? Who did that? That's not me. Did you see someone while you're on tour? Did you yeah. see somebody in Brisbane? What have they yeah. done? Did they chew it off with their teeth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After, honestly, after lockdown, I was so scared to go see my hairdresser because I did some weird shit. It's like. It's like when you're masturbating to weird stuff and your partner walks in and you can't explain everything that's in the room at the time. <laughs> it's the same. Like I went to see my hairdresser. I was like, uh, and she's like, did you colour your own hair? I, 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 um, I had to record some stuff. She goes, what did you use? I, I just used some box, box dye from the 
To get some from the supermarket You use supermarket stuff? She goes Why don't you shave your hair off? I go Well that's a little extreme Like I'm sure you can get it out She goes I can get it out Because I'm good But if you ever touch your hair again With anything you bought at the supermarket I was like Jesus um, What happened to my body My rules? She's like Yeah your hair is not attached to that That's not part of it The hair is mine (laughs) (laughs) My address is very strict yeah, it's the closest that you come as an adult to feeling like you're 14 again, getting busted with like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Like when the yeah. hairdresser starts zeroing in on you and you know that you've done a little bit of a fringe trim and you're like, <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I had these scissors, I was just holding them for Ursula and platonically. Yeah, and then you came in. I don't, I, yeah, platonically. <laughs> Always platonically. I was holding these scissors for We were like, just because we're two lesbians, I wasn't scissoring her. Just holding her scissors. That's very difficult. Can we just, can we just, lesbian to lesbian, I assume that's how you identify. Mm. I like to just assume people's Mm. sexuality and gender. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good luck. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I recommend it to everyone. Um, <laughs> can we just quickly explain to straight mm. people how fucking hard it is to scissor? Um, like logistically, it's quite hard because you kind of have to be the same yeah. weight and no and no reward. Yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. it's not. And strength. This is what you kind of do. Um, I don't know when when you're high or drunk. I I don't know because. Logistically, it's so hard. Like you have to line everything up and then if you don't weigh the same, you need a spotter in the room to get the heavier one off the lighter one because that's how it yeah. works in lesbian relationships. Yeah. Very rarely yeah. are we the same height or weight ratio. So now <laughs> you need like a gymnastic spotter in the corner of the room that you can just lift a hand and they can come and pull yes. you off. And if you do, if you nail the you scissor do. just right, like you line it up perfectly, vaginas are touching, things are going wild. Now you have, we're talking two air pockets that could potentially seal over each other and you have to always think about what if we get stuck and now we have to ring someone or the spotter can't get you loose with like a putty knife or something. It is it is dangerous and don't believe all the shit you straight folks see on pornography. That is not how we fuck. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think the um, the biggest inhibitor for me has always been finding that spotter. So yeah. I haven't been able to engage in it too much because who's available at 10pm on a Saturday night um, yeah. and wants to come over for 20 minutes, uh, yeah. like you said, with the putty scalpel, like, yeah. ready to release the airlock that you and your yeah, partner yeah. create just between even you. No, no one wants and to do that. They're not doing it yeah. for free anyway. If you have a stack of magazines, I'll just come sit there in the corner in a cosy armchair and read the magazines yeah. under yeah. a lamp and you can just yeah, tap the bed a couple of times. Yeah, And I'm like, okay, here we go. Time to separate. <laughs> like, like two dogs with a hose pipe. <laughs> You could probably just do it with like a, a cloth that's uh, like a hot flannel, you oh, know, yeah. like if you just had a flannel that you'd put into like a Tupperware container of hot water, yeah. I think that would probably do the job. Yeah. Just flap it around down there a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah, that would yeah. work. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, like trying to get the label off a sticky bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look up something because I saw yesterday uh, 
all the different types of flags and stuff um, that you get now for our community mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it's no longer just, you know, the rainbow flag. That, that time is gone. Now that you know, are you going to get like a lesbian flag facial tattoo, like something tasteful under your left eye? I think we have to. Isn't that like a teardrop but with the colours in it? Yeah. But instead of a teardrop. Yeah, just a lesbian, yeah. Yeah, it can be like a flannel. Yeah, yeah, like, like a flannel a flannelette shirt. <laughs> We've got, um, <laughs> do you know what demisexual is? Wait, are demisexuals, are they the ones that are attracted to intelligence? Don't know. Fuck. It. I hope so. There'd be a whole group of them into me. Hey, am I right? <laughs> Honestly, I, I basically the only reason I ask you all these things is because I want straight people to relax because I feel like they flip out. This is where this is where homophobia comes from. Straight people go, oh, you know what? I don't fucking know what's happening here. They're just taking over the alphabet. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, we're coming for the numbers. But they they get paranoid. <laughs> they get scared because it's overwhelming. But I want them to know that we don't fucking know either. Yeah, yeah. It's not a group email. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I was having this conversation with someone recently who was like, I just, like, I don't I don't know everything about it and I just don't understand. I'm like, why do you think you need a PhD in it in order to be like, oh, okay, now that I've got a PhD in gender studies, I won't be homophobic and transphobic anymore. Yeah. I'm like, you can just be cool anyway. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you yeah. talk to someone who uses racial slang, you know, like says something and you go, oh, you shouldn't say that anymore. Or even words that we go, yeah, in the 80s everyone was saying that but really we shouldn't be saying that anymore and you shouldn't say it. Even if you call it out and you go, it's not right, you shouldn't do it, you still get those people who go, yeah, but I've always fucking done it. Yeah, but so you've yeah, always yeah, yeah. Wrong. It's not going to change everyone's hearts and minds. That's right. They're like, well, we used to say it back in the 80s and it's like back in the 80s I used to go to the supermarket with no pants on. Yeah. Can't do that anymore because I'm not. For the record, you were a child then. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not three anymore. I'm not allowed to go, I'm not allowed to go to the supermarket in my undies. Like yeah. that's how it is. Like things change, mate. Well, I mean, depending you can adapt on where you live. times. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. When I do regional tours every now and then I can get away with a quick cold. Tari, I'm in my undies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> coastal, I think. It's anywhere coastal. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in Rye, you are with no pants. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> I mean, you want to fit in, do you? Um, what, have, what have you got? What have you got in your, what are you packing? Brothers, sisters, what have you got? Okay, so we've got three sisters. We've got yeah. two raging gays and one um, straight. Wow. Okay. Okay. Mm. So three, so your parents made three children. Yes, three children. Yeah. And two of them homosexuals. Yep. So they've basically produced a Mardi Gras float. Yeah, yeah. So your parents are a gay factory and they let one slip through yeah. the maybe maybe the other sister, is she the youngest? No, she's actually the oldest, and I think that you're right. It was probably some sort of malfunctioning at the gay factory. Yeah, or someone else's. Maybe your mum stepped out of it. <laughs> maybe she's adopted. <laughs> I think it's cute to have a straight you it know. Is cute. Was it hard for her to come out? It was hard for her to come out and, like, it's been, and like I was saying before, we don't understand anything about her culture or her interests or, (laughs) yeah, we don't really know much about her at all but we accept her and we let her do her thing. And that is the important thing is to let these, you know, I mean, she's probably interested in, do they, 
does that one crochet? Because I've got one that crochets. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a hetero. We've got a hetero in our family, and she fucking crochets. Or because you, you're married, right? I'm, I'm engaged. You're engaged. Oh, good. I was like, I didn't yeah. get an invite to the wedding, so I must still have a chance to get in there. <laughs> it yeah. hasn't happened yet, don't you worry. Okay, We're okay. going to need a spotter at the I'm honeymoon, gonna... so Bye. you're in. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bridal gift. It's two putty noises. It's amazing, right, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I'm freshly single, right? I just can't. I can't do... Apps. I think you get to an age where you're like, if I can't meet someone, it's God's way. It's God's way of just yeah. saying, you're out of the game now, you're a spotter. You're a full-time spotter. Yeah, you you're a full-time spotter. The, yeah, I can sit in the corner of your room, you know, having a cup of tea and a stool softener, reading a book. <laughs> stool softener. <laughs> <laughs> reading, reading a pile of health-related ma- magazines, diagnosing yeah. yourself until we yell out, help. Now, don't go on the apps, mate. Don't go on them. I was on the apps just before um, Elle and I met and we met in person, yeah. which was an absolute godsend because the apps weren't for me. I was on them for a few years and, like, I met so many loose units on those apps, like just a, a little digital centre for wayward souls, like, all kinds of, yeah, hijinks through. Just everyone I met, I was like, oh, what is happening here? And I'd just given the apps up and decided to be a spotter when yeah. I met Elle in real life. And, yeah. and I was like, right, I'm locking that down. And we hate each other, but we, um, we just don't you want to go back to the apps. You know, just stay put, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I've ever heard anyone say anything positive about the apps I'd go, yeah, why not? But no, this fucking Netflix documentary series about how people get murdered by other people on the apps. (laughs) I'm like, this does not sound like paradise to me. I would rather fucking not. Do you know how many people send me DMs going, and I'm not suggesting this for you, but every year when I'm touring, people go, hey, Kirsty, I've got a ticket to your show tonight. Can't wait. You don't by any chance have any single friends in Newcastle I or get that no too. Any single lesbians that are coming to the show tonight. Do you? Because yeah. I've talked I get to all too. of my lesser mates about this and none right. of them none of them I get, get it. I get it all so the time. I'm like, I'm a comedian, not a matchmaker. Or even what we should do, we should tour back to back. We're like I do... I do say the early or the later show and you do the, and then so because I'm sure there will be a massive crossover and then um, but we'll do, say, you do a 7 o'clock show and I'll do a 10 o'clock show and then that time in the middle yeah. we go, if you're a lesbian and you're single, stay in the room and I'll let my audience in earlier, the single lesbians, they can mingle. By the time my show finishes, they've already adopted a fucking Labrador and bought a car together. <laughs> You're coming off the stage to be the spotter for them in the back row. Yeah, yeah. We're all the lesbians on the one knee proposing to each other. <laughs> Fucking hell. Can I just say, this is Gala. Every lesbian there, or identifying as, uh, was wearing a blue suit. I was the only one not mm. in a blue suit. 
and it was exactly mm. the same colour blue suit. I didn't know there was a shop in Melbourne called Lesbians Are Us where you all go fucking <laughs> shopping with the brown shoes and the blue suits and the... I felt so, I felt so out. I, I was wearing a blouse. Even on the project in New Zealand, the host, Kanua Lloyd, looks nothing like me. She's a Maori lady. Mm-hmm. I am a white... South African woman, we have different voices, we have different faces. We have to, when I get there, they go, uh, Kanua's already wearing blue. I'm like, and? I don't think anyone at home, and I'm not even talking the same outfit, I'm just saying the same colour. I don't think anyone sitting yeah. at home is going, oh, here's this woman who can speak to Rayo and this other fuckwit next to her with a weird accent. I wonder who's the one talking. I can't figure it out. They're wearing almost the same colour. No one is thinking that. <laughs> this is just wardrobe no, being weird. Yeah. I just refuse if they go, she's wearing yeah, blue. Yeah, I go, yeah. good on her. Now we'll both be wearing blue. <laughs> well, there's always a lot less variation when they have their, like, panels of straight white men, like on any TV show. Yeah. They're all, like, wearing black suits and a shirt yeah. with a different colour tie. Yeah. It's like no one has any trouble telling them apart even though they're hard to tell apart <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for the yeah. untrained eye. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, when you come to, to women or, or, or anyone who's not a man, it's, um, yeah, it's suddenly like, no, you've got to, you, you've got to wear floral and you, yeah. you, no, not that. No, she's got yeah. yellow in the flowers on her blouse. Yeah, no. So I, it's going to be okay, mate. They're going to be I, able to tell us apart. Yeah, I immediately, I realised early on, you should push back, push hard back. And someone goes, um, we need you to wear the other guy. Oh, I'm not doing that. That's it. I'm just not. <laughs> There's a guy here in New Zealand that have, have taught me the right way. His name's Paul Ego. And if he doesn't want to do that, he just goes, no. He doesn't offer an explanation. He doesn't offer an apology. And never in all the years that I've worked with Paul, have I seen anyone push back and go, um, honestly, we need you to do it. Like, But I see that with women all the time where they, they go, um, I really don't feel comfortable yeah. in that. I brought it as an alternative because I felt like, but I, I just, you know, I'm retaining water. I'm, we give them all the explanation and they're like, <laughs> yeah, you're wearing it. You're fucking wearing that dress. And you're like, I really don't want to. I really don't want to. That's like one of the best pieces of advice someone ever gave me years ago. They said no is a complete answer. Yes. Like you, you can just say no. You don't yeah. have to do the 10 minutes of foreshadowing and the, the 10 minutes of excuses after. You can yeah. just politely decline. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. What is the craziest shit that has ever happened to you on stage? Um, pro- probably I, I went through this era a few years back where I kept getting booked to do bush doofs. What the hell is a bush doof? Yeah, I was about to say, do you know what they are? They're like is those at a waxing like clinic huge. as they're taking the bush <laughs> off, you're doing. <laughs> this is bush I'm doing doof. A type five. Bush doof. <laughs> <laughs> they're like massive raves out in the middle of nowhere. Oh. Huge. Like Rainbow Serpent is, is yeah. a very famous one. And um, there was this guy in Melbourne booking them and, um, you know, I was starting to come up and I was just taking, like, whatever kind of gigs I could get to, you know, get more experience. And so I went through this weird period. It was like Dave O'Neill, Bob Franklin and I were just out in the bush amongst all these ravers, like, off their pickles doing stand-up. Yeah. And um, I was doing a one-hour show at 1 o'clock in the morning to a bunch of people who were absolutely high as kites, no. on beanbags, like the worst conditions for stand-up. Yeah. And I'm up there and I'm just pushing on and it's hard and I'm tired. 
and this dude, like, bursts through the back of the tent and he's barely wearing anything. He's, like, in a costume and he's got some little, like, grass skirt on and then nothing up top. And he's got a bow and arrow and he's just holding this bow and arrow and, like, pointing it at me. Oh, my God. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, dude, like, what are you doing? (laughs) And he's just holding it and I, like, I'm ages away and and I'm like, is that thing real? Like what? And I'm like, mate, can you put the bow and arrow down, please? And then all these people who are high as kites on these beanbags, like they're all off their faces on MDMA, they slowly all start turning around to look at him and then they're going, hey, man, don't shoot her, bro. Hey, don't shoot her, bro. <laughs> and it was just this chorus of like hundreds of people going, hey, man, make love, not war. Don't oh shoot her, God. bro. <laughs> like hive kites. No one actually getting up to like try and fix yeah. it or anything. Uh. And I, it felt like it went for 10 minutes, but it probably was only like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then he just like disappeared back through the flap in this tent. <laughs> and then I just carried on doing the show. How many years ago was this? I reckon five or six years ago. Okay, so let's look at this. Let's look at this. You met Al five years ago, just over five years ago. That was fucking Cupid, bro. Cupid came in. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, one of the arrows did hit me right in the heart. Yeah, it was Cupid. <laughs> was he a fat guy? <laughs> Like a baby, a fat baby. <laughs> when you say nothing up top, do you mean fat baby? Yeah, he was a he was a tiny but chubby baby, and he was sort of hovering above That's the a- ground. <laughs> you were high too. I think you're right, and he had like curly blonde hair. I was high as a kite. You're right. It was Cupid. Oh my God, I was on MDMA. <laughs> I was on a beanbag. <laughs> everyone, everyone else was sober. I was the one on MDMA. Oh my God, I'm so glad I brought this up because you pieced it all together for me. Look, I mean, it all pans <laughs> out. The timing, the guy, the bone arrow, 100%. the you know, half naked. It's all. Uh, that's it. It's the only reasonable explanation. Yeah. I mean, why else would he have it? Like, that shit's illegal. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? That's a hard one. I mean, inside comedy, maybe, maybe like Joe Lycett. Um, I mean, he's pretty famous. Um, Within comedy, the first thing that sprang to mind was Costa from Gardening Australia. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you playing the home game, Costa has got this wild beard, long hair, never wears any shoes. This is your go-to? I'm thinking yeah, Lucy yeah. Lawless. And I'm thinking Dave Chappelle. You're like, Costa has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said it because it's funny, but um, <laughs> but he, uh, I, I worked with him. I did some shows with him at Woodford last year and I talk about it a bit in my current show because um, when I met him, it's like the first time in my whole career I've been starstruck and, yeah. you know, we work with so many celebrities and um, and I was just like, Whoa, like I couldn't, like him and then some musicians that I've worked with who um, like I loved as as a, um, like as a teenager, they're the ones that always get me. I'm like, yeah. and I feel like it's 15-year-old Kirsty going, oh, my God, you, like you just used to listen to their CDs over and over on your Discman and now you're working with them and now you've got their phone number and like, and it's like that part of me that's like, and then the rest of me is like, no, nah, be cool, dude. Like, <laughs> they're a colleague now. It's going to be fine. But do you, do you ever find it intimidating to ask people for their photos? Like, if you're with a really famous person that you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here with, 
Ursula Carlton, um, and then ask for a photo. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever asked for a photo. No. I regret so many times that I'm like, I should have asked for a photo, you know, just even for yeah. my wall. And I don't because I know yeah. what it's like when someone goes out of the blue at a green room and go, can I have a photo? I'm like, what? Like this is our say so yeah. this is where you're not supposed to ask for a photo. I'm always excited if someone goes at the end, they go, um, shall we have a group photo? And you're like, yeah, let's let's have a group photo. <laughs> and then you're you're elbowing everyone out of the way to get next to the person that you love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try and edit the others out. You're like, fuck these cuts. <laughs> Cut them out, zoom in on you. <laughs> Just you and Judy Dench. Like yeah. Judy Dench and I just hanging out like usual. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like when a famous person, like uh, if I think who's the most famous person to ever interact with me on socials, I love Dawn French and I have a photo, a signed oh, yeah. photo of Dawn French. And when I write new shows, I always put her photo um, so she looks at me because it's such a nice smiling photo and then I always finish the show. And then once I took a photo, a selfie of me with the show, the notes, you know, with sort of hidden so other comics can't steal my shit. Um, and, and <laughs> I then, saw them. I stole them all. <laughs> I know. You were straight up until then. Um, and then <laughs> this is like, God, I'm going to have to switch over and meet this chick. Um, and then I just took, I go, Dawn and I just finished the show and then she started interacting. She's like, oh, my God, I love that. And then I say, oh, we actually share the same tour manager, Tom, but, you know, I'm playing these little venues and, you know, you're obviously a star, blah, blah, blah. And she was chatting and I was like, oh, my God, this is the highlight of my life, like, you know. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So then stuff like that, I go, is it okay to take screenshots and put that all over my office? Just ask. <laughs> Wallpaper your bedroom with it. <laughs> Don't fridge spoke to me. <laughs> oh my That's God. a big one. That's a great one. I love She's that. Such a, yeah, I love her. I mean, if Betty White ever, and I can sort of kick myself because I read Betty White's book a few years ago and it says she still answered all of her fan mail by hand, like she would write you a letter back wow. and send you a signed photo, you know, like they used to back in the day. And I was like, fuck, I need to write a letter to Betty White. I really want her autograph and I want her to write back to me. And I never did. Got yeah. too busy and I missed my opportunity because now she did. Oh, no. Yeah, that one would have been a ripper. Yeah. I yeah. would have had She's... that tattooed on me. I'd be one of those people. <laughs> have you ever had that? With and probably so. Where someone, um, where you sign someone and they then get that tattooed on their body? No. I've had a few people um, get stuff tattooed on them. This is what a teacher said to me when I was 16 years old and I was a wayward teen. Unbelievable. Um, and she said to me, there's no greater waste of time than regret. Oh. And so he had that. Uh, uh, that's my, my TED talk is wow. about that. And so he then had that tattooed on the side of his body. He too was a wayward teen. Wow. Um, but then there was another one, this lesbian came, she's based in Melbourne. She came to my show and um, she said to me, she loved my TED Talk. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I think she's a um, tattoo artist in Melbourne. And she goes, I just I just love your TED Talk, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I want you to write that on my arm. I'm going to get that tattooed. Oh, no, she goes, can you can you write that on my arm? So I did. But I've got terrible handwriting. I've got the handwriting of a serial killer. <laughs> Look at that. 
And she had that tattooed on her body. My awful, awful handwriting is now oh, forever wow. on her on her arm. That is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, this is pre-COVID. So what I would do after every show, I would go out and thank my audience for coming and have a few photos and chat to a few people. And people would line up. Like sometimes the, the meeting people after would take longer than the actual fucking show. But I loved it, right? And this was before COVID. Now, of course, I don't want to get COVID. So I haven't been meeting people after the show. But then when this person comes up, so I'm busy, there's a lot of people, I want to move it along yeah. and meet as many people as I can before the town hall chucks us out. And um, so when she came up, oh, I just went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, I love your TED Talk. And I went, thanks so much. And I just went, and she goes, can you write that on my arm? And I went, yeah, yeah, cool. And then she goes, I'm going to have that tattooed. I went, no, not that. That's terrible handwriting. <laughs> She needs to get a follow-up where you write on her arm, but I deeply regret this tattoo. <laughs> I regret this for you. <laughs> I never regret this for me. There's no greater waste of time than regret, 100%, except for the tattoo. There's some time for regret on this. Like, let's spend some time regretting this fucking tattoo. Let me, uh, let me ask you, Kirsty, what is, what is um, the thing about other people that shits you? To death? Um, bad manners, I think. Um, I'm turning into my mother. My mum was so hung up on manners when I was a child. Yeah. And I know it's very broad, but bad manners in general. I mean, on a really tiny level, I hate it when people don't say please or thank you. Yes. It absolutely does my head in because I'm like, it, it is such a tiny thing that you can do that can enhance somebody's day yeah. or make them feel like an actual human being. I know you've got a bit on um, on the wave in the car. And also I was listening to your episode the other day with Dan Connell and he was talking about car stuff as well. And um, Elle hates being in the car with me because I, I do this low-level running commentary from the second I get in the car to the second I get out of it. Yeah. Where are you going? What are you looking at? Oh, wasn't much space there. Why'd oh, you cut me this. off? Yeah. No wave. Great. Beautiful. Let you in. No wave. Like I just talk the entire time, even when I'm Same. on my own. Same. <laughs> oh, good on you, mate. You want to come in, do you? You want to come in? Sure. Don't let me get in your what way. What kind of animal raised you? Jesus Christ. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no wonder. No fucking wonder. Look at this man. Look no at this wonder. Man. Yeah. Yeah, you're no, a disgrace. Yeah, yeah. So just manners in manners in general, like just yeah, be, being being rude to people, you know, yeah. like that's it's yeah, also have little tolerance. Shits me out the wall. Yeah, I call yeah. that shit out. It, it, like if we're in a big group, especially same. during Melbourne Comedy Festival, say if if like a lot of us go out for lunch or we go out for dinner, you know, so we all go, and then you always get the one like, um, you know, there's always one person go, bring more wine or. Can we get water? I'm like, they meant please. They were just raised by fucking animals. Um, and then. <laughs> right. Yeah, I call, I call everyone legend and, like, I'm quite known yeah. for it because I often start stand, stand-up sets. What? Like, <laughs> I thought it was special. <laughs> I call you spotter. <laughs> you started this podcast by calling me legend. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for betraying your trust. I am hurt. I felt. I feel lied to. That's what. That's. I feel lied to. 
can I can I tell you what I do when I'm in a crowded lift? Um, you know, even now while I'm on tour, I've never not done it. If someone gets in the lift or they're already in the lift, as soon as I walk in, I go, hey, team, how's it going? Look at us, hey? And then because, um, you know, the lift is always the most uncomfortable place. And even when people don't yeah. talk back, I go, I know, it's so awkward to talk to strangers in the lift. Um, and then <laughs> even if they still don't talk to me, when we get, I go, um, have fun in Sydney. Um, have a great night. <laughs> Um, love you. Awesome. Like I, I'll tell people, love you as I get out of the lift. But 99% of the time when you get in, people can be all awkward with each other. If they don't, I go, hey, team, look at us avoiding each other in the lift. I'm going to stare at the door for a minute. And then I go, um, you know, and they immediately will start chuckling or start chatting or whatever. And, yeah, sometimes people yeah. recognise me and they go, oh, oh. You know, and then they're really surprised and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just got into my lift and started chatting to me. I go, how weird would it have been if I didn't? Then we'd just be staring at each other's feet. I go, no, not in these shoes. I don't, you know, like I always, always when I get in the lift, I try and talk shit. I feel like it's a real captive audience when I'm in a lift. I always talk to people yeah. in the lift. So you take your legend take that, you in the lift. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've got you guys here. Plus, we're sexy. Why would people not, you know, in a platonic way? We're both quite sexy. There's always the eye candy perspective as well. It's like sex sells. You know, every year, like, we're like, oh, heaps of people are coming to your show. I go, yeah, they're not blind, bro. They're not blind. I'm a, I'm a massive hornbag, so I'm pre- pleasing on the eye and also have a few tales to tell and some jokes to roll out. So it's the um, triple threat. I mean, mine isn't even, I sometimes just ramble. Like I read the Bible sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't bother, I don't bother with jokes anymore. Like once huh. I realised that people were just there for my looks yeah. and charisma, yeah. Yeah. I don't even bother trying to craft stand-up anymore. No, There's no point. No. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. You're just there to look at me anyway. Yeah, honestly, do it. I'll wear something <laughs> low cut. Get a good look. <laughs> hey, what's the thing about you that shits you to death? Um, first thing that springs to mind is I'm messy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very messy. Um, that shits me and my partner to death. I'm not dirty. I'm very clean. Yeah. But I'm messy. I'm one of those people who will just empty their pockets as they're walking up the hallway. And I'm, I've recently been making a conscious effort to get better at that. Yeah. But I'm notoriously messy. Like anyone in my family is like, yeah, like she'll come for a visit and she'll, within seconds, there'll just be stuff everywhere. So that and that does yeah. wind me up. I'm like, because you're creative, be, but yeah, probably embrace so it. I'm like, just just be tidier, mate. You can't. But it's but it annoys people around me, which is a bit oh, that shit. really annoys me. Get different people. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Elle, you don't. Um. <laughs> no, 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 don't get rid of her. I know what's out there, mate. I know what's out there. That one. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't get rid of her. You, you've got one that's employed that wants to work. Keep it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. The supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 